Good morning, Ascent. Who's excited to be at our gathering? Yes! Woo! That's what I'm talking about. We had our coffee this morning. I love it. We are continuing our Stress Out series. We're in part three of this four-part series, uh, and I have really enjoyed it. Really, the, uh, the way this series kind of came together was I was reading uh, a study uh, by the American Psychology Board. I know I'm a nerd. You guys probably don't read studies like that in your spare time. Uh, but I was reading, and I noticed that the top five reasons for stress in the United States, according to the recent study, uh, really were all answered and addressed in the 23rd Psalm, which for a lot of us is a funeral psalm. But as I got to reading it, it seems like it's a lot more about God-centered living than it is about dying. And today is going to be a heavy message. So everybody just take a deep breath in and breathe out. Group meditation. Don't you guys love that? Yeah. We're going to be talking about the darkest valleys. And I found it really interesting as I looked at the top causes of stress. One of them is the way that we deal with grief. Uh, As we get older in life, uh, little things and big things add up. And what a lot of us do, especially as Americans, is we take our little bottle, we put our emotions in the bottle, and we bury it as deep as we can, and we avoid the grief. And the grief has a way of surfacing, and it keeps surfacing, and it has effects that just over time build a stress. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, experienced this where you're anxious and you don't really know why. It's just like this low-level anxiety, this low-level stress that just seems to hang around. It's those buried emotions that you put away about 20 years ago trying to find their way out. Uh, And I speak from personal experience on this. So we are going to talk uh, about the darkest valleys. And I believe today there's going to be encouragement for you. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them. Psalm 23. Uh, And while you're turning there, I'll remind you that under your seat, around your seat, somewhere by your seat should be one of these, a connect card. And uh, it is what it sounds like. It's the way that we connect with you. So if you're new, if you're a guest with us, we would love for you to fill one of these out so that I can tell you how honored I am uh, that you're visiting with us today. And we'll send you a free gift. And if you're like, Blake, I don't want a gift, do it for the children. So for every one of these we get back, we give a dollar to an Indian orphanage. So you're helping an orphan in India just simply by filling out this Connect card. So if you don't fill it out, you're kind of a horrible person. I'm kidding. Love you. It's just a joke. Calm down. Uh, And if you just have a prayer request, we'd love to know about that prayer request. And also on here, there is an option uh, to become a group member, or there should be. The one I have does not have that option. So what you can do is just write it in the comments or section. I want to sign up for a group because we are doing group signups right now. And I'll just highlight one group, uh, and that is Financial Peace University. Uh, It is the only group that we charge for. Uh, We don't actually charge for it. Dave Ramsey charges for it. It's $119, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Chad Blocker in here anywhere? Okay, it's $119. If it's more than that, I'll cover the rest of it because I set it up here on the stage. So that's what it's going to be as $119. And it's a group that I really believe will change your life. Uh, And the reason they charge $119 is because when you give money to something, you commit to it, right? So it's a lot easier for me to avoid a group when I didn't pay for it. But when I pay for it, when I put my money in it, I am going to show up for the group and I'm going to do the homework assignments because I don't like wasting money. And this group will show you, uh, he says, God's way and grandma's ways of handling money. It's common sense that isn't common uh, for us anymore. And uh, it it is truly transformed the way Taylor and I view finances. And I think it'll do the same for you. Taylor and I are actually going to be in that group. And I'd love for you to sign up. If you don't know what group to sign up for, sign up for that group. And if money is the thing that's keeping you from being a part of that group, 
just put your uh, down on there that you, you would like to, but you can't afford it. And we will help you be a part of that group because I really think it can change your life. So sign up for small groups. We have men's groups, women's groups, all sorts of groups. If you're interested in being a group, put on there. I'm interested in being in a group and we will get you signed up. One more announcement uh, before we jump into Psalm 23, and that is next week we will have starting point, which uh, is the first thing you do to get connected here to Ascent. Uh, so right after the service next week, there will be a two-hour block. We're always out of here by about 1.30 uh, where we feed you lunch. And then the first part of the deal of, is, uh, is me telling you about Ascent, kind of our story, our values, our history. Basically, the whole point of it is for you to see if is this is a place where I can connect. Is this a church where I can call home? Uh, and then the second part is really the fun part because it's all about you. We do a lab uh, where we help you begin to understand more about your personality and your giftings so that we can help get you connected. Because ultimately, my goal, the goal of Ascent, is four things. I want to help you experience salvation, find peace, know your purpose, and live fulfilled. And starting point is the beginning of us helping you do that here at Ascent Church. So mark it down in your calendars. Be here next Sunday right after the service. You get free lunch, child care. Uh, I don't know what more you could ask for. It's going to be awesome. So if you haven't been through that, stay for that. Now, let's pray, and then we're going to jump back into this very heavy message today. So, Father, as I come before you, uh, I, I am always reminded of my inadequacy to fully communicate your word. Uh, Lord, and yet you make me adequate. You give me what I need. And Lord, I just pray that you do that again today, that this wouldn't be the wisdom of Blake Farley this wouldn't be Blake Farley wading into the deep parts of people's lives because I don't want to do that without you. I don't want to go through the dark valley unless I have you with me in the dark valley. And so today, Lord, I ask that you help me as I preach. I pray that you would help my listeners as today's message, not even the content or words of it, uh, but just the idea that we're talking about might bring up things that they have tried to avoid for a very long time. Lord, I pray that uh, even if it's not something I say, you would speak to them today and give them a step towards healing. I pray that today they would feel your presence in that dark valley, that they wouldn't avoid that dark valley, but they would walk with you straight through it onto the other side. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23, 4. Uh, David says this in the middle of his famous 23rd Psalm. He says, even when, everybody say when, when. I go through the darkest valley. I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I find it really interesting that David doesn't say, even if I go through the darkest valley. But he says that word we all said together. He says, when I go through the darkest valley. And uh, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but for everybody in this room, you either just went through a dark valley, you are in a dark valley, or you're about to be in a dark valley. Thank you for coming to Ascent, right? But it's the truth. And uh, for me to not tell you the truth would make me a bad pastor. And it's always something, right? Like we have these big dark valleys in our lives. And then we have these little like just annoyances in our life. So for example, uh, yesterday I was taking a shower and I left the door opened a little bit cracked. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, if my shower is not hot enough to like make me a little bit burnt when I get out of it, it's not a good enough shower for me, uh, which means there's a lot of steam that comes out. Well, Normally, I shut the door completely, but since the door was cracked, the steam got out into the bedroom, and we have very, very sensitive fire alarm detectors. <laughs> yes. That thing started beeping. So I run out of the shower, uh, you know, I'm dripping, getting water everywhere, and I'm trying to get up to the fire detector so I can hit the button, and I see this 
plastic crate. So I pull the plastic crate over. I get on top of the plastic crate. Yeah, you know where I'm going. The plastic crate was not made to handle Blake Farley's weight. And boom, plastic crate breaks. I don't know what I broke in the bucket, and I'm afraid my wife's going to find out what I broke in the bucket. Uh, and, and, and fire alarm's still going off, so I finally get a chair. I get up, and I press the button. I'm thinking, okay, I'm good. And then it goes off again because I had left the shower on and the door open even further. So steam is coming in. I'm pressing the button over and over. I notice that this thing has a battery on it. So I, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm in the birthday suit that I came out in dripping wet and I'm trying to get the battery deal undone. I finally get the battery deal undone. Then my hands are too wet to pull the battery out of it. Uh, so I, I finally get the battery out and it's still beeping. Like this thing is from Satan. I don't understand. So I had to pull it out of the ceiling and there's like cords in it. I don't know why they would do cords and a battery. It's kind of redundant to me. Uh, some of you are like, it's a fire safety, Blake. Yeah, well, it's not supposed to be a shower safety. Okay. So then I, I pull the cord out and I throw the thing down. Uh, And then I go back to the shower and I'm thinking everything's all right. And then I get back in the shower and I'm putting soap in my hair and I am not alone anymore. There is a daddy long leg staring me down. And I, I hate spiders. I especially hate spiders when I feel exposed. So I had to like karate punch that spider right there in the shower. It was a terrible experience. It's always something. Amen. Like it's, there's always something going on. And I kind of start with that humorous story. Uh, because if we're honest, a lot of our valleys are not that humorous. A lot of our valleys are places we don't want to go. In fact, here's a, a sobering truth. Everyone you love will die unless you die first. So let that set in for a minute. One day, every single person you love and is close to you, you will either be at their funeral or they will be at your funeral. Dark valleys are all around us. And Blake Farley, Mr. Positivity, doesn't like thinking about those dark valleys. I don't like thinking about the dark valleys in the past, but they're there. And as I said at the beginning, I wouldn't be a good pastor if we didn't talk about them. Because there's going to be divorces. There's going to be financial collapses. There's going to be tragic deaths. There's going to be deaths that aren't tragic, but that doesn't make it any easier. Whether you're 97 or 7, it's never easy to lose your mom. Whether you're 97 or 7, it's never easy to lose your dad. And yet those are aspects of this world we live in. Not because we don't have a good God, but because we live in a world that is marred by sin. Sin is simply missing the mark of what God would have for us. And as humans, anytime we miss the mark of what God would have for us, God is life, so missing the mark would be death. And because we live in a world full of sinners and sin, there is death in the world, and we live and we await and we groan for the day in which Jesus comes back. But until then, we live in a world where these things are simply a reality of the life that we live in. And uh, I remember as a student pastor, uh, a kid who uh, we had prayed for a very long time uh, came with us to church camp. And uh, he, he gave his life to the Lord and uh, everything was uh, you know, going great for him. And then two weeks later, his mom died tragically. And uh, that kid took a huge step back away from God and the church. And I often wonder if it's because At the beginning of his faith, what we told him, not with our words, but with our actions, that if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be okay. You follow Jesus, everything gets better. Your life is always better if you follow Jesus. And that's just simply not true. Jesus was crucified on a cross. Every single one of the 12 disciples died a terrible death. Many of them crucified upside down because they didn't want to be crucified in the same way their Savior was. They didn't feel worthy of it. 
Christians were burned alive at the stake in the early church. And so I am a bad pastor if I tell you everything is going to be okay. That's not the promise of Scripture, and that's not the promise of Psalm 23. But here is the promise of Psalm 23. That although you may not be okay, it will be okay. For the Christ follower, that's what we hang on to. Although you may not be okay, life's fallen apart. You got daddy long legs staring you down in the shower. It will be okay. And that's the message uh, that I'm going to preach today from Psalm 23. In fact, I want to give you three encouragements and three choices today. Three encouragements for the Christ follower. And if you're not a Christian in the room, thank you for joining me. I'm so glad you're here. I would love to hear how you cope through dark valleys in life. But for the Christian, we have these three encouragements. And then there are three choices. Because you always have a choice. You always have a choice. There's the actual tragedy that happens to you. And then there's the grief that we put upon ourselves by not dealing with that tragedy. So how are you going to choose to deal with it? Three encouragements and three choices from Psalm 23. So let's jump in. Psalm 23, and I'll look at the verse 4, the beginning of it. It says, Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Here's encouragement number one. You may feel alone, but you aren't alone. You may feel alone, but you aren't alone. For the Christian, we can take hope in knowing that God is with us. And uh, this is really what separates uh, our faith from all other faiths. And that is uh, that our God is not far off, but our God took on flesh and came down and lived with us. Uh, So... Uh, A lot of us, we spend a lot of time asking, how could a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? And we don't really get a a good answer for that. We may never get a good answer for that. There's there's a lot of uh, possible answers for that. There's the free will of man, but that still doesn't, uh, you know, give us the answer of why did God give people free will then? Why do bad things happen? And a lot of people focus their time on that. But what our God did that was special is that he came into this world. And he didn't live as a king where he was shielded from all the bad things of this world, but he came as a suffering servant. He suffered through every temptation, every trial that you could suffer through, Jesus Christ suffered through it. He faced betrayal. He faced abandonment. He faced loss. He faced people spitting in his face as they drove nine inch nails through his feet and his wrist all while knowing he is the one who created them, and with the word of his mouth, he could destroy this whole thing. And yet he didn't. Our God took on flesh, and he suffered through this. In fact, uh, uh, Emmanuel, which is one of the names for Jesus, means God with us. God literally took on flesh and came with us. And for the Christ follower, the hope and encouragement we have is that on the third day, there is no longer a body in the grave. That Jesus Christ rose again. I can take you to the tomb of a lot of the religious leaders that we have in this world. I cannot take you to the tomb of Jesus because he's not there. You cannot find the tomb of Jesus of Nazareth because he is seated by God at the throne room of heaven. And yet, as Jesus came, as he ascended into heaven, he sent to us the Holy Spirit, which is God's spirit living. Where does it live? Within us. That God is literally with us wherever we go. And you might be saying, Blake, that's great, but I don't always feel like God is with me. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it feels like you're all alone. It feels like I'm in this valley, and I know that they say the Holy Spirit is with me, but I'm not experiencing the Holy Spirit with me. And I would just, I would ask you this question as we're moving into the choice. Are you all alone? Because God's presence is experienced within the group of his people. 
And what I've seen with a lot of us is we either, actually all of us, when we go through a dark valley, we either choose to run from God and from God's people, or we run to God and to God's people. That's always the options. Like that, that youth student that I talked about, he chose to run from God when that trial hit. And for a lot of people, that's the option that we go for. I want to I isolate. I hear people say, it's just me and God going through this. Me and God, we got this. I don't need anybody else in my life to be a part of this with me. And I would just point you to the words of Jesus, if that's what you would say. Uh, because Jesus says, where there are two or three gathered, there I am with them. So are you with a gathered people or have you ran away from God's people? Choice number one, encouragement number one was you may feel alone, but you aren't alone. Choice number one was choose to pursue community. I love what Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? They can comfort one another. How can one person by themselves comfort themselves? Verse 12, And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist. And then here's the wedding verse. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Right? We use that in our weddings. Uh, Taylor and I, I think we have something hanging on our wall that's along those lines where, you know, it's like if it's just you, then, then it breaks easy. And if it's you and, and two pencils, you, know, you can break those easy. But you get three and it won't break. And the, the moral of the story at weddings anyways is have the Holy Spirit in the middle of your marriage and your marriage will be strong. But as we see the context of Solomon here, he's talking about in general, in life, by yourself, you are going to be easily broken. And if you are walking through a dark valley by yourself, I pity you because you don't have anyone there to help you get up. You don't have anyone there to comfort you when you need to be comforted. And this is hard because if you're anything like me, you don't want to talk to other people about those areas of your life. Uh, I do really good at surface level talk. I don't want to go down deep into my struggles and my pain points. Uh, for me, this year has been one of the most challenging years in this, uh, in this respect uh, December, if you'll remember our Christmas service, I know some of you were there, some of you weren't. It was one of the first times in detail that I had talked publicly about my dad. My dad died when I was uh, 16 years old. And uh, it's, it was an area, it still is an area of, of great grief. And uh, I finally realized, actually that night, I've got to do something about this, right? Like I, I can't even talk about it without uh, just losing it all. And at that point, I had never even visited my dad's tombstone uh, because I didn't want to deal with it. And so I said, you know what? I've been preaching this for so long. I've actually got to do something about this grief. And so I signed up for counseling. That's right. If you don't want a pastor who sees a therapist, you got the wrong pastor. Because I signed up for counseling. I signed up for a counseling group. And I said, you know what? I'm going to deal with those dark areas of my life. And I'll be honest with you. This has been the toughest year emotionally I think I've ever had. Uh, I am going places I do not want to go. I'm talking about things I do not want to talk about. Uh, I'm trying to express myself. In the past, when an emotion like that would rise up, what I would do is I would push it away. Uh, and now I am allowing that emotion to come over me, and I'm trying to express that to my wife for now. One day, I hope to be able to express all that I've learned uh, from this tragedy in my life, but I want to begin to express it to somebody else because it takes away the power when you begin to talk about it. But when you keep it pushed down, that power stays in and over you. And as I uh, have done this, although it's been hard, it has also been a year of great growth for me. Uh, on Memorial Day, I visited my dad's tombstone for the very first time. And uh, I was there with my little brothers, uh, who my dad lives on through, amen, and my grandma, 
and my grandpa. And, uh, you know, for me, it was just a big deal to be there. My grandma, Wendy, she's with kids right now. I think she's always with the kids. Uh, God bless that woman. Uh, she said, Blake, would you, would you pray for us? And I was like, oh, grandma, come on. I ju- I'm just trying to li- I'm trying not to cry just standing here right now. Uh, and, and I prayed. And I'm so glad my grandma asked me to do that. Because, again, it was another moment of healing in the community. It wasn't a moment by myself. It was a moment where I had others with me to comfort me, to pick me up, to put their arm on my shoulder and say it's going to be okay. In the Christian life, we all need people beside us. Sometimes we need the brother to give us a little nudge in the center of the back, you know, and we're, when we're not moving, we need to get into gear. Sometimes I need brothers to grab my collar of my shirt and pull me out of danger that I'm about to walk into. And what I often need that I don't want is I need a brother to put his arm around me and give me a hug and tell me it's going to be okay. So you may feel alone, but you're not alone. And if you feel alone, what I would tell you to do is seek out community. That's why uh, small groups aren't just something we do. They're really important. I want us to be a group, uh, a church that is made up of groups. I would love to see more people in small groups than we actually see on Sundays coming to Ascent. Because I think they're that important. That's where community begins to take root. And you actually begin to experience God's presence. You can ask some of the guys who've been in DNA groups with me. We go to deep places. And in those deep places, we actually begin to find healing for those places that God wants to take us through. So in the dark valley, you may feel alone, but you're not alone. You have God's Holy Spirit and you have his people. So make the choice to run to community, not away from community. That's encouragement number one and choice number two. Choice number one also. I can can count, I promise. Number two, encouragement. You have a good leader. Number one was you may feel alone, but you aren't alone. Number two, you have a good leader. It says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, for me, when I have a good leader, I have comfort. When I don't have a good leader, I have no comfort. And especially when it's somebody who has been where we are going before. So uh, Taylor and I have done some rafting at church camp and, uh, our worst rafting experience was uh, we, we got in this thing called a ducky. Uh, normally, you're in a, a big raft where you've got a professional that's kind of like telling you forward two, backward one, and like making sure, you know, there's like these huge, massive boulders in the way. And like, I don't always understand what they do. Sometimes they want you to go directly at a rock so it like hits the slipstream and you go around the rock. And if you're actually over here away from the rock, there's another slipstream that'll put you into the big boulder. And so it's very helpful to have that leader who knows what they're doing telling you where to go. Well, Taylor and I thought, you know, it would be cute if we got in a ducky. Sounds cute. It is from hell. <laughs> a ducky is just a two-person uh, boat. Uh, so you have no professional. You have... Taylor at that time, Harris, and Blake Farley, uh, which Taylor maybe has a little bit more professionalism than I do, but I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, our guide, Steve, waited until we got to the water to tell us. We're literally putting the ducky in the water. And he says, you know, we have another name for these boats. And I said, and what might that be? He said, we call them divorce boats because they tear apart the partners in those boats. And I'm like, oh, lovely. Uh, do we have time to you know, get in the raft? And he's like, nope, you got this. This is the bed you made, so here you go. And uh, so Taylor and I are out there on the water, and without a leader, uh, it, it, it caused a little bit of friction. We'll just say that. 
Uh, Taylor was yelling at me. I was yelling at Taylor. Taylor thought I wasn't paddling hard enough. I didn't think she was paddling hard enough. She was paddling, but it was just splashing me in the face. It wasn't actually moving the boat. Uh, and then Steve, our guide, is up there looking back at us, yelling at us, telling us, you guys are going to hit that. And then we'd bounce off of something. Uh, and it got real bad at one point where the rapids got really, really kind of fast. And we were going uh, under and there was a huge log, a tree branch sticking out like this. And we're heading at it and Taylor's in front. I'm in back. So I see uh, Taylor's face about to be clotheslined by this tree. And I thought, well, I will self-sacrifice here. So I put my raft down into the water and the boat turned sideways and my head is lined up with this tree tree branch right here and I'm thinking this is how I die this is a terrible way to die and here I go and uh, I don't know I think the Holy Spirit like put a put up a barrier or something uh, or maybe it was my arm probably more likely Uh, and and I hit the branch with my arm and I fall off into the water and one of my friends was right behind us and like a savior reached his arm into the water and pulled me out of the water and saved my life and I only wet myself a little bit throughout the whole process, right? And uh, at that moment, I learned the power of having a good leader because I had no idea what I was doing, and yet I was in the leading position. It was my first time to go down the creek. And ever since then, I always choose the best leader when we go rafting. So when we go rafting and you get to pick the boat you're in, I always choose the main guy because I want somebody who's been down that river not once, not twice, but at least a hundred times. I want them to know every crevice. Right? Like it's never a good idea if you're on the raft and the guide goes, I think we might go left here. I've actually never done this one, guys. Like that's not comforting to me. <laughs> and yet in Christ Jesus, we have a guide who has lived through everything we could possibly live through. It is a guide who not only talks about the dark valley, but has actually went through the dark valley himself. And you say, yeah, but Blake, he was God. And I would say, yeah, but he was also human. He was fully human. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before his crucifixion, he said, God, if there's any other way, please take this cup of suffering from me. If there's any other way. And then he says this, but not my will, your will. Which would tell to me, Jesus experienced exactly what we fear when we're facing down a dark valley. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where it's, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way we could go through this, please If there's any other way besides the divorce, if there's any other way besides the sickness, if there's any other way, Lord, can you just take it away from me? And yet Jesus Christ says, not my will, God's will, and he walks right through the dark valley. So like a raft guide who has been down the raft, we have Jesus Christ with us. And what I love uh, about the dark times, and there is something I love about them. Very few things I love about them, but there is something, and that is it draws us closer to our Savior. When you were a kid, uh, were you more likely to grab onto your dad's leg when you were scared or when you felt safe? For me, it was when I was scared. We walk into a dark room, I immediately go to dad. When When we're in a safe area, we're at McDonald's play place, I'm gone, my dad can't find me, right? And we're the same way as adults. As we go through life, it tends to be a lot easier to crawl close to God and trust in him when we're going through the dark time than it is when we're not. It are those times where in which we actually have to trust our leader, which is choice number two, trust your leader. And that means we pray. That means we read scripture. That means we are trusting in God alone. Uh, one of the pictures the Bible gives us is to meditate upon God's word. And that word is actually the same word in the Hebrew language. It was word pictures. So they would like paint a picture with their words. And the picture there is a cow chewing its cud. 
And for a lot of us, we, we're like a cow chewing our cud uh, with the negative things in our life, right? Like, this is terrible. I'm never going to get out of it. And what do we do? Just like a cow. You always see a cow, they're always just, they're always chewing. Why? Because they, they take some and then they, oh, they puke it up and they chew it again and they swallow it and, oh, they puke it up. They got like eight stomachs. It's ridiculous. That's an image you're never going to forget. Uh, and what I'm telling you, Ascent, is chew the cud of God's word. And instead of puking up the bad stuff, puke back up God's word. <laughs> I'm never using that illustration again. <laughs> Sounded a lot better up here. When I'm going through the dark valley, I need to be reminded that God loves me. When I feel unlovable, I need to remember John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I need these things deep inside. See, reading scripture is not just about reading through scripture as fast as you can. It's about taking things and actually implementing them in your life. Some of you would be better off to read one verse this entire year. Just read Romans chapter 8 instead of trying to read the whole Bible. To the point to where you can meditate on that. Regurgitate that back up in your life whenever you need it in those dark times. Trust God. Number one, we're almost finished. Number one was you may feel alone, but you aren't alone. The choice with that was choose to pursue community. Number two, you have a good leader. He's been through it. Choice number two is trust him. Pray first and meditate. And finally, number three, valleys are painful, but they serve a purpose. And uh, for this one, I, I want us to not take Psalm 23, 4 out of its context. Walking through it this slow can make it seem like four different kind of thoughts. But David put it all together on purpose. And I think it's no accident that in Psalm 23, 1 and 2, the psalm starts out with us in a green pasture as sheep. And then in the middle of the psalm is a dark valley. And at the end of the psalm, on the other side of the valley is what? We are in God's house. We are in God's presence. So that it's actually through the valley that... God is doing something within us that makes us more who he wants us to be. And all this is ultimately true with death, right? Like as we get closer and closer to death, it can be the ultimate dark valley. In fact, that's probably the dark valley David is facing down right now as he's old, older in age and about to die. The darkest valley is the valley that leads us closest to Christ. As soon as we die, we are in God's presence. And we have valleys throughout our life, and these valleys serve a purpose. They draw us closer to God, and they make us more like God. Uh, one of my mentors, Stephen Earp, I would love for you guys to meet him one day. He's got the sweetest soul. Uh, he told me, Blake, I love suffering. And I thought, you are crazy, right? Like you need to see a doctor. And he said, I love suffering uh, because I believe it's impossible to learn anything about God when you're not suffering, which I'm not sure I completely agree with. But as I get older, I, I'm seeing a lot more of that. I think we can learn things about God in the good times. But he is so right that it's in those dark valleys that we actually grow to look the most like God. And I've seen this play out in Stephen's life over and over and over. Um, the man has everything uh, you could ever imagine go wrong with him. And I'm not going to share everything because that's his story to share. But uh, as an example, uh, his church plant, just like us, they started a church, went eight years without a building uh, because they kept pouring money back into their community. And when they finally were ready to build a building, they started building it. They got all the equipment in, all the sound stuff. And then a, a storm came through uh, Moore, which is where he's located, and the roof developed a leak. And so uh, water began to come in and was just ruining almost everything in there. And, uh, you know, I said, Stephen, I'm so sorry. And I just remember he said, hey, at least it happened now. It didn't happen after we had people in there. And I was like, are you serious? How could you be? How could you have that perspective on it? But he's like, no, I've learned to trust God's provision. The same guy is a guy uh, whose wife developed MS uh, in their in their 40s. And now he's her full time caretaker. 
I think most guys uh, would put their wife in an assisted living center and, and walk away from it uh, and would respectfully get a divorce and move on with their life. And I don't, I don't know if we could blame anybody for doing that, but that's not what Stephen said. Stephen said, no, she's my bride on the day we got married. I said for better or for worse, and I meant it. And he loves his wife through those moments. And he says, Blake, I am so grateful for this time with Christy because you love those you serve and I've never got to serve her more. My love for her grows every day. And I look at a man like that and I'm like, I want to be like that man. But to be like that man, you have to go through some valleys in your life. Valleys are painful, but they serve a purpose. And here's the, the last choice. Don't waste the valley. I see so many people waste the valley. I want to be like Stephen. I want to be learning in all of these things. And Jen and the band, you guys can go ahead and come up as we're coming to a close. Uh, Romans uh, 5, 2 through 5 says this. Apostle Paul says, We have also obtained access through him, him being Jesus, by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And I'm like, amen. I get that part. That's awesome. Right? Jesus came. He lived the perfect life, died the atoning death for me, rose again, and now I get to share in that. My sin is covered by his grace and I get to live in the presence of God. And then he says this in verse 3. And not only that, oh wait, there's more. But we also boast in our afflictions. <laughs> what? Okay, I was with you until you said that part. And then he says this. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. In other words, you can grow better or you can grow bitter. The choice is yours. Will you waste the valley or will you use the valley to become more like Christ? Number five, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Which is what we said earlier. The valleys grow us closer to God than we could ever imagine. We experience his love deeper in the valleys than we ever could on the mountaintops. And I've got to be honest with you guys. I want to bring us back as uh, we're going to stand and sing here in just a moment. But I, I, I want to be honest and remind you of what I said at the beginning. And that's the simple truth that you will die or everyone you love will die unless you die first. That you will go through the darkest valleys. And sometimes the dark valleys won't make sense. And uh, it, it was over a year ago, um, I, I was driving and um, I was thinking about my dad who I had lost. And I was thinking about Taylor who she had lost her mom also uh, at a very young age. And I, I was just thinking, it's, it's not fair. I don't know if you've ever been there um, where you just cry out to God. You say, it's just, this is not fair. This is not how it was supposed to go. I was just feeling sorry for myself. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking about my future children. They're not going to know uh, their, their grandpa or their grandma, and they're not going uh, get to get to know the people that we love, the people that raised us. And um, it was, it, it might have been over a year ago because it was getting close to our wedding time, and that was really what sparked it. I just, I wish that they could be there for that. And uh, God in his grace uh, as I turned on uh, a sermon podcast to drown out my feelings, uh, the, the pastor read this verse. And this verse ministered to me in such a powerful way. And I pray that it would minister to you. And again, you might not be in a dark valley now, but I pray that you would take this and put it in your heart because you're going to need it when you're in the dark valley. It's uh, first, or sorry, 2 Timothy 4.18. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He's at the end of his life. He's about to get his head chopped off for the cause of Christ. And he says this, the Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To which I was like, well, which is it? Is he going to rescue you from every evil work or is he going to bring you into his heavenly kingdom? 
It didn't make sense to me. And then that was when the Lord really spoke to me and I realized for the Christian, it's hope versus hope. That God may rescue your marriage. He may rescue the financial decisions you've made. He may rescue you from the health sickness that you have, or he may not. But for the Christian, we don't have the hope that everything's going to be, or everything is okay, but we do have the hope that everything will be okay. It may not be okay, but it will be okay. And I have the hope that one day I will be able to see my dad, and I will be able to see Mindy again. And our kids will be able to meet them one day. And not in this sin-infested world, but in a world that is restored by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I may not have it all figured out, but as a Christian, I have a great hope. And I boast in that hope. And brothers and sisters, I pray that you would boast in that hope as well. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing. We're going to sing whether we're in the valley or the mountaintop, because God is good in both. And He will carry all things out. For his glory. In fact, that's how Paul ends, and that's how I'll end. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father God, in this room right now, there are people who are in a dark valley. There are people who have been in a dark valley for a long time, wandering. And I just pray that they would see you, trust in you, follow you, Lord, and more than anything, fill your presence of peace today. Lord, in a time where there may be no peace in their life, Lord, would you give them a taste of the peace that only you can? Thank you, Father, for being the good shepherd. Thank you for being the God who didn't just talk about struggles, but you came down and you experienced them yourself. And you died so that one day we might live in a world without them at all. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Let's stand and sing, my friends.